You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, what a day it's been. Trade deadlines are always fun, aren't they? Welcome to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming to you once again. Uh, was in the early time slot yesterday. Back, ready to roll. lot to get to. Trade deadline. Deshaun Watson. The Miami Dolphins cheated for lack of better words we're going to do a preview on the eagles of eastern michigan as they come to cajun field on september the 10th and we'll also do to the moon tuesdays game hotline 706-0111 if you want to get in on the action and here in acadiana you can watch us on the simulcast on stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on lus fiber Producer Shortenair and the co-host with the most, the Meshinator himself, James the Donut Commissioner Mesh. I'm shelling out all the nicknames, bud. Yeah, you're 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 going all out. And I appreciate it. Uh, how how them hiccups treating you? Uh, it's amazing. Uh, James James is dying in here. So, the Astros made three trades. All of them, in my opinion, make them a little bit better. Especially the Trey Mancini deal. You get an absolute electric bat, and you gave up very little to do so. Let's go to the hotline. Martin's calling in. What's up, Martin? Uh, not too much, man. You're back in the evening time, Slider. Yeah, it's good. it's good to be back. I didn't like waking up that early. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, so uh, uh, I don't know if y'all unveiled your full question of the day, but I want to kind of chime in on that. I'd probably give the Astros probably a B plus. I mean, they address some of their needs, uh, but I think the winners in all of it is the San Diego Padres with getting Juan Soto uh, and uh, Josh Bell from the uh, Nationals. Uh, I think that's going to make them a lot better. I think they're the, now. I think they're the contender to win the NL pennant. Uh, so uh, I guess I'm gonna pick the Astros to win the AL and the Padres to win the uh, the NL because my Red Sox didn't do a darn thing. Just sat down and twiddled their thumbs and. I guess they like getting blown out twenty eight to five. I guess. I well, don't I know. mean, y'all didn't do. But, uh, y- y'all made two moves. Y'all got Tommy Pham, and then y'all got Eric Hosmer today. I don't even know who them guys are. They're not. They're not scrubs. But we're done. I mean, there's always next year. Now I can start looking forward to my Cowboys uh, going twelve and uh, breaking your heart again. Twelve and yeah, and then break my heart again. You know, I mean. But I might have to jump on that San Diego Padres bandwagon, you know. Uh, but I think it would be a good World Series if the Astros and, uh, and the Padres would play. I mean, they, 
Uh, my thing is, are the Padres going to sign him at the end of the year, give him the contract that he wants, and keep him? Or will another team offer him a contract, you know, the Yankees, Red Sox, something like that, you know? But uh, that's all I really had, man. But uh, go Padres. Appreciate Thanks, you, Martin. Thanks for taking my call. All right, so couple things, and, and I, I agree. The winners of the deadline on paper is the San Diego Padres. You got Juan Soto, you got Josh Bell. You are you kept most of your core, but here's the problem: the Padres are still the Padres. They're going to find a way to screw it up. They always do. There's a reason why the Padres have the talent level that they do, and it's because of where they're located and the amount of money that they bring in. However, that franchise is cursed. They just they get to the postseason and blow it every time. Did it last year. They did it the year before. They blow it. What you got? I did get some news from Mike Garofolo. Okay. Rookie safety smoke Monday has suffered what is believed to be a significant knee injury today. Jesus. Okay, so smoke Monday hurt his knee. Kawan Baker suspended for six games and what I can only assume would be PEDs. Chris Herndon is going to sign with the Saints as well. Yeah, Chris Herndon is going to sign with the Saints. Spent a lot of his time with the Jets, and he spent last season with the Minnesota Vikings. But again, going back to the, the Juan Soto thing, a great talent. You've got him until 2024. But again, is it really going? is he going to solve the Padres' problem? Is, is a big question that, that I have because you, you've been around since 1969. You've only been to the World Series twice and you didn't win either time. You've only won your division five times in your 50-something years. I mean, the Padres are not a you know successfully... You know, we win games kind of franchise. And again, even with getting, you've got Manny Machado. You've got Fernando Tatis Jr. Now you bring in Juan Soto. Three elite level talents. You also have you Darvish in your starting rotation. Austin Nola behind the plate. You got Blake Snell in your starting rotation too, not to mention. Like you have, and you traded for Josh Hader. I mean, you've got guys in this team. However, I just, I, I, I already see it now. They're going to find a way to blow it. Is it positive thinking that they are in the hunt for a wild card spot currently and Fernando Tatis Jr. hasn't made his season debut yet? Yeah. That's a positive way of thinking. 
that is good news if you're the Padres. However, again, I, I keep saying it because it's so very true. They're going to find a way to blow it. They will. The Astros acquired Trey Mancini from the Baltimore Orioles in a three-team deal. Their only real give-up was Jose Siri, who went to the Tampa Bay Rays. And then you also gave up a minor league pitcher in Chase McDermott to the Baltimore Orioles. Let's go back to the hotline. Ralph's joining in. What's going on, Ralph? Hey, Matt. How's it going, man? Doing well, um, man. How are you? I'm just getting in the car, so I didn't uh, get a chance to listen earlier. And y- y'all may have talked about it already. But, um, well, first of all, I-, I was really disappointed to hear about Smoke Monday because, um, you know, I know he was still kind of a-, a long shot to make the active roster, but I thought for sure he'd um, – if we clear waivers, we get him on the practice roster. Anybody that hates Atlanta that much, um, I want him on the team. You know, and, and I was kind of rooting for him uh, to make the team. But um, I, I, you know, hopefully Honey Badger will get back and get his thing straightened out so we can get um, get that secondary worked out. But no, the the, well, the thing with Sean Payton, I just want your opinion. I mean, obviously something in the works. You know, with Miami. Um, before he even announced his decision to quote-unquote retire, which obviously he wasn't really planning on retiring. He wanted to, to move teams. Um, you know, it seems like New Orleans was just such a perfect setup for a coach. You have a, an owner who doesn't meddle at all. You have He had full autonomy with draft decisions and a good roster. And, I mean, what, what do you think would have prompted him wanting to – to go to the Dolphins. Well, I I don't know that necessarily Sean Payton wanted to go to the Dolphins. Because what happened was that the Dolphins reached out to Sean's agent. So I don't know that Sean ever spoke with the Dolphins. It it all just seemed kind of of odd, the timing of everything, because you know, obviously they were reaching out prior to um, his actual resignation, and, and then he resigns after, and then they, they sought permission to talk to him from the Saints, and the Saints denied permission. So it was just all all very, very odd as far as uh, all the timing went. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I, I think, though, that I, I, this is just my opinion. I, I think it shows that he's not – really burnt out uh, maybe he wanted a change of scenery I, I don't know I, I can't I look at the Dolphins roster I don't see a better roster than the Saints um just in my opinion but um you know the weather you know <laughs> I'm sure he'd love to be on South Beach but right. uh I don't know, you know uh but look next year if you if whoever wants to talk to him get what you can while, while he's still on the contract as far as draft compensation goes you know um in my opinion so absolutely but anyway i hope y'all have a good afternoon guys appreciate and, uh, you ralph did y'all did uh, y'all throw a big party for kevin foot over there or, or? Well, of, of course we have to it's kevin foot okay i know i know did y'all get him a cake with no icing on it <laughs> he would have liked that wouldn't he that that's one of his <laughs> he would have liked that wouldn't he <laughs> absolutely <laughs> All right, man. Y'all have a good day. Thanks. Appreciate you, Ralph. So, again, I don't know that, that Sean ever you know, directly spoke to the Dolphins. 
the story is that the Dolphins reached out to Don Yee, who is the agent for both Sean Payton and Tom Brady. So that's where they caught the the double tampering. Now, I heard somebody say that, well, you know, if if Brady would have signed with Miami, then maybe Sean would have went too. Well, yeah. Of course he would want to go from Breeze being his quarterback to Brady being his quarterback quite seamlessly. Of course. I'd go to Miami too. Here's the two teams that I see Sean Payton coaching. And James, you can chime in on this. The Dallas Cowboys, Los Angeles Chargers. I would have to lean towards Los Angeles. Oh, I don't want him in Dallas. I don't either. I'm but just I saying also, I could see him going there. I also just think it's more of a realistic situation. I know Dak's good and all, and he's still got CeeDee Lamb and Zeke, so he's got some weapons, but if I had to choose a if I had to make a preference, I'd rather the younger Justin Herbert, who's more talented Absolutely. and has better weapons. Absolutely. And just a better overall team. I mean, the defense on the Chargers is really good, and the offensive line is improving. So the only thing that you really are missing is that competent head coach. Because so nope. far, from what I've seen, is Brandon Staley doesn't know how to manage plays and manage timeouts and manage time in general. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Brandon Staley either, but... I see Sean taking a year off, and next year he's going to be coaching football again. And that's just, it, it is what it is. That's what it's going to be. So, poll question of the day on Facebook and Twitter. What do you grade the Astros' trade scenarios? Again, you got Trey Mancini. You got Christian Vasquez. You brought back Will Smith, a good left-handed reliever. You know, what grade do you give him? A, B, C, D, or F? Let us know, Facebook and Twitter. Let's go back to the hotline. Frank's calling in. Frank, what's up? Oh, I'm not a lot. How you all? Doing well, man. What you got? Uh, I'm going to wrap this up in uh, a, a nice with a nice little bow because uh, I said this on Jordy's show a uh, long time ago when the wound was fresh that Sean was leaving. He's tired of the BS that goes on in New Orleans. I mean, when is the last time you can name a coach that was expelled for a year for allegedly cheating? You got another coach in New England who was literally caught cheating, and he was fine. So I think he's just tired of the poppycock that goes on in New Orleans. And he goes to Miami now. I wish him so much luck because he did great things for the city of New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, that that's a good way of looking at it. I definitely don't disagree there. Well, I mean, you know, he, he had the, the Nolan no call, and then it was one mishap after another, and it's just, it's, you know, there's so much you can take as a head coach to where you just say, oh, screw it, I'm, I'm done here, I've got to move on, and, and maybe his alley out was, okay, well, I'll retire, but not retire. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And then here, here's my point on it is, if Sean wants to come back into coaching, I'm fine with it, but like the last caller said, make sure the Saints get something in return. Oh, well, definitely. Compensation is definitely going to be high on the priority list. So as, as, long as, as long as Sean's back into coaching before 2024, I don't really care. Yeah, well, then the, the flip side of that coin is how bad does Miami want him? Well, 
you know, well, here here's the problem. Does does Miami go after him after getting caught for tampering with him? Because as I mean, that's not illegal, but that's not a great look. Yeah, but winning winning solves all problems. We already know this. It's true. That's true. Well, thank you for taking my call, Bob. Appreciate you, Frank. It's very true. Winning does solve all problems. But here's another thing. You just traded for Tyreek Hill. Do you even have the facilities? Do you even have the financial... The the capability? The, the draft capital to right. be able to? Because I feel like at this point, we still got two more years after this for Sean Payton. So you're still going to command a high dollar for the current contract that Sean's under. Yeah. At least one first. At least. And you wouldn't get that till 2024 for Miami since they trade... or. No, because they, they traded two first-rounders, I believe. They traded two first-rounders for, for, for Tyreek. So, unless they have they had an extra one in 2023 or 2024, you wouldn't get that first-rounder until 2025. And it's like, look, that's nice and all, but what about 2023? Right, we need that now. Yeah. If you're going to if you're gonna coach yeah. for them in 2023, we need your first-rounder pick for that year. I don't know. Things, things are going to get very... Very interesting on uh, on that front. So again, run through the show one more time at 4.30. Tom Helmer, the play-by-play voice of the Eastern Michigan Eagles, will join us to do a, a preview on the Eagles before they come to Cajun Field on September 10th. And then at 5.30, Landry Locker joined us a couple weeks ago to talk about the Houston Astros. He's coming back to help us do To the Moon Tuesdays. We'll talk about the Astros trades. We'll touch on the big trades around the major leagues and so much more. Once again, hotline 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. The Houston Astros falling last night 3-2 to to the Red Sox. They will play again tonight 7-10 in Minute Maid Park. You can catch it right here on the game. Christian Javier will go for the Astros, while Cutter Crawford will go for the Red Sox. Speaking of the Astros, the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Those red-hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll take a timeout right here when we return. James and I have an interesting conversation to get to about the NFL. Stay tuned. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back into Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. We're about to look at some of the most unbreakable records in sports. But before we do that, Saints wide receiver Kawan Baker, a seventh-round pick in 2021, has been suspended for the first six games of the regular season due to violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy. So, again, talked about it yesterday when I when I filled in for RP3. I'm not going to sit here and and talk politics in terms of which crime is worse. Okay, I'm not going to do that. However, from an optics standpoint, Kawan Baker and Deshaun Watson having the same suspension. It's not a great look for the NFL. Or, how about this, the owner of the Dolphins, in violation of tampering, he is suspended for a game a day longer than Deshaun Watson. That's not a great look either. Again, I know that Deshaun Watson was cleared in court of all wrongdoing. And I'm not here to talk about it politically. It's just not a great look from an optic standpoint. James? No, I agree. I mean, it, it there is no for sure anything with Deshaun, but kind of seeing the same thing with like a PED being six games, but then also all the allegations also being worth six games, and then you got tampering being worth six games. Right. It, it kind of just feels like everything, unless it's unless it's a Josh Gordon situation, or or you making one parlay your suspension is more likely not going to be six games or less. Right. Yeah, it's, again, just not a It doesn't it look. doesn't it doesn't matter how severe it is. Like it could have been one woman, it could have been 50. Like either way it was probably going to be just six games. Right. Anyways, according to the Astros and manager Dusty Baker, Christian Vasquez will get his first start in an Astros uniform tomorrow. Against the Boston Red Sox. That's interesting. Interest that that whole story from yesterday is so strange. He's warming up, taking batting practice with the Red Sox in Minute Maid Park, and then the PR team pulls him over and says, "Hey, you're getting traded to the Astros. Walk over to the other side of the field." I think that it's such a intriguing story. Let's go back to the hotline, 706-0111. James is calling in. James, what's up? Hey, man, not not to correct you guys, but to correct you guys. Uh, Deshaun Watson wasn't cleared in a court of law. A grand jury chose not to press charges for, on the home team quarterback. Very different. He wasn't up for trade then, so that may have had something to do with it. And Sean Payton's going to end up with the Cowboys. That's going to be their general manager's uh, last-ditch chance to keep his job so the owner doesn't fire him for incompetence. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get the, I, I agree with you on the Deshaun Watson thing. Maybe me saying cleared in a court of law wasn't the, wasn't the right terminology. Charges were never pressed against him. Um, and then the Cowboys thing, 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Jerry Jones also the general manager? Yep. So you're saying he's going to fire himself? He needs to if they ever want to win a playoff game. <laughs> oh, I agree. I, I went on a rant about that last week, about how if if the Cowboys want to win another Super Bowl, Jerry Jones needs to back off. He won't, not till he's in the grave. Oh, Too much man. of an ego, and that's why the Cowboys suck and always will. Hey, I don't, I don't disagree with you. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good afternoon. You too, man. Appreciate the call. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so I, I knew I was sitting there, and he goes, "The owner's going to fire the gentleman." It's the same person. Okay, but got it under control. But yeah, no. So the Deshaun Watson thing, he wasn't cleared of wrongdoing. Charges were never pressed, which is another sketchy situation. But just, uh, again, from an optics standpoint, and I'll leave it at that, just didn't seem all that great. Anyways, some unbreakable sports records. LaDainian Tomlinson's single-season touchdown mark, 28 rushing, 31 total. I don't know if that's unbreakable. Hard, absolutely. Unbreakable? Jerry Rice's career receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Yeah, that's that's unbreakable. The next closest guy is 5,000 yards behind him. That's going to be tough. Jim Brown's eight rushing titles. That's insane to me, okay? Jim Brown played nine years in the NFL, and he was the leading rusher in the league eight times. Eight times. That is insane. In the MLB, Nolan Ryan's career strikeout number, 5,714. Randy Johnson's behind him by 900. And then... You look at the active leader in strikeouts, Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander's 2,600 strikeouts behind Nolan Ryan. That's not getting caught. You know which one? There's one record on here, though, that I think will get caught. Wayne Gretzky's goal total. Wayne Gretzky scored 894 career goals. Alex Ovechkin's at 780 and has easily two years in the league left. Easily. Probably three. Maybe four. He has stayed pretty healthy throughout his career. So don't be surprised if that record falls. Let's take a time out. When we return, Tom Helmer, the radio voice of the Eastern Michigan Eagles, will join us to give us a preview into the Eagles before they come to Cajun Field on Saturday, September the 10th. You're listening to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field, going back on it's Gordon, he'll look up at the goner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. 
into crunch time with me guys and mesh right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros matt Miguez, james mesh it's time to talk about another opponent in the schedule of the louisiana raging cajuns and it's time to do the eastern michigan eagles and here to do here to help us with that is the play-by-play voice of the Eagles, Mr. Tom Helmer. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Uh, appreciate it. No, it's always it's so great to be talking football, isn't it? I know oh, it's early man. August, but Eastern Michigan opened camp this morning, had their first practice. I cannot wait for the season to start. Yeah, it's definitely uh it's definitely time. The Cajuns the Cajuns report on Thursday, so definitely getting that buzz in the air around here. But let's start, you know, talking about the Eagles. Let's start up top. Head coach Chris Creighton been there since 2013. Has a, you know, has a grip on this program in nine years. He's kind of changed the program, kind of changed the mindset around the university. What are your thoughts on the job that he has done so far in his first nine years? Well, he's changed everything in Ypsilanti. Before he showed up, the team had really only been to two bowl games ever. Uh, one was kind of a playoff game back in the early days, but 1987, they played in the California Bowl. That was the last time they'd played in a bowl game before Chris Creighton came on campus. And now they've gone to three in the last four years. Uh, Rynearson Stadium is better known now as the factory. They got the gray turf. That's all Chris Creighton stuff. He's really embraced the blue collar nature of th- Southeast Michigan. And it was funny, they had a spring practice the first year he was here, and it started to snow, and a few players were kind of whining a little bit about the weather here in the spring, and he said, listen, we're going to play anybody, anywhere, anytime. I don't care if it's in a parking lot on broken glass. And that's when he got the idea, well, let's play on a parking lot. So they tore out the green turf and put in the gray parking lot turf and uh, called the stadium the factory, and everything has this kind of blue-collar feel, but He's done a phenomenal job for a university that for a long time was just a punching bag. There was a time in the 80s when the MAC wanted to kick Eastern Michigan out of the conference. They'd lost games in like three consecutive seasons without a win. They weren't going to bowl games. They weren't competitive. Eastern Michigan fought to stay in the conference. And now with Chris Creighton, they've become a factor in the league. So I knew that Eastern Michigan had gray turf, but I didn't know that it was referred to as the parking lot. That's pretty cool. Well, that's what it's supposed to look like. When you come play at Eastern, you're playing on our parking lot. So that's why it's gray. <laughs> Interesting. All right, let's go to the quarterback position. Ben Bryant had a good year last year, but he's gone now. And stepping in is a guy that we're familiar with at, Un- at the University of Louisiana. And Taylor Powell, having come from the University of Troy, you know, presumably that he's going to be the starter. What can you tell us about Taylor Powell? Well, he came in in the spring. He had a phenomenal spring. He completed 81% of his passes. Uh, He has a good rapport with the wide receivers, and it's really a godsend for Eastern Michigan. Austin Smith will probably back him up. Smith's a redshirt freshman that's only played in one college game ever. So Taylor brings a lot of experience and has a tremendous command of this offense. And it was kind of surprising that we needed a quarterback because – Ben Bryant looked like he was going to be the starter for the next couple years. Well, Preston Hutchinson, who had been the starter, got demoted to backup and then decided, well, Ben Bryant's going to be the starter. I'm going to go to Tennessee Chattanooga, 
And then the next day, Ben Bryant said, well, I'm going back to Cincinnati, where it looks like he may be the starter for the Bearcats. So Eastern Michigan had to scramble, and fortunately they found Taylor Powell. Creighton loves him and thinks he's, he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks Eastern's had since we had Mike Glass a couple years back, who took us to the uh, Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit and had a phenomenal season for us. So it looks good for Powell, and he's been off to a really good start with this team. Running back wise, what can you tell us about you know guys coming back or, or who to look out for? Well, Boone's a guy that's back. He's an explosive guy. Uh, Darius Boone Jr. stands about five eleven, two oh two. He'll be a redshirt freshman. We got kind of a one two punch. Darius Boone's your guy that can kind of get loose, open field, has a lot of speed. And then when you get down near the goal line, they usually give the rock to Samson Evans. Uh, he's a six foot, two hundred twenty pound sophomore who and banging it from a couple yards out. He's tough to stop, always falls forward. So they provide a nice one-two punch. Um, both guys can really catch the ball out of the backfield. So the running game behind an offensive line that returns four or five starters, uh, they're in pretty good shape. And then from the receiver position, you know Taylor Powell going to be the quarterback. He's got the top two receivers from the Eagles offense last year returning. So skill position-wise... Powell's got some weapons to hit. He absolutely does. Hassan Beydoun has been a fascinating story because he's their number one receiver, had 97 receptions last year, over 1,000 yards receiving. He's a guy that walked on. He, he responded to like a social media message and said, hey, if you think you can play D1 football, come to an open tryout. Well, he did. They liked him. When he showed up, he was a buck 50 and ran a 4-6-6-40. And now here he is his senior year. He's put on 25 pounds of weight and r- runs a 4-4 and uh, is, is explosive. you got Dylan Drummond, who's another explosive guy for him. And then Tanner Canoe was hurt at the start of last year at that ex-receiver position, came back about three or four games in, and then was able to provide some punch for the offensive well. So but between Baydoon, Drummond, and Canoe, they got a really nice start there, wide receiver. So a lot of targets for Powell to play with chatting with Tom Helmer, the play-by-play voice for the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Switching sides of the ball now defensively, you you bring back your leading tackler in Tariq Spates. You bring in a couple big transfers on the defensive side of the football. What can you tell us about this defense? Well, in the initial chart, you talk about Tariq Spates. He's right now the number two will backer because Joe Sparicio is a guy that transferred from Boston College. He's a senior, 5'11", 225. He's, he's been phenomenal in spring ball. So he was playing for Boston College last year, decided to transfer, played in 19 games for BC, had nine starts. And then playing right next to him at the Mike linebacker is Chase Klein, who stands 6'4", 230. He's a junior, and he played at Michigan State, where he played in 24 games, but four games into last season, decided he wanted to go in the transfer portal. So between Klein and Sparacio playing that linebacker position, you have a couple quality guys that have immediately stepped in are going to make a huge impact defensively for EMU. And then in the trenches, you know, offensive line, defensive line, how much protection is, is Taylor Powell going to have? And for, for the defensive side, how quickly are, are the Eagles going to be able to get to the opposing quarterback? Well, you got Jose Ramirez, uh, a defensive lineman, one of their top defensive linemen is back. He's just a sophomore, 6'2", 250. He's able to get after the quarterback. They did lose some guys defensively 
one of them was Wu Scott, who was basically just like putting a, a, a rhino in the middle of the defensive line. He could really clog stuff up. So they lost some of that size. But uh, Alex Merritt, Jordan Crawford will be in at the nose tackle. Uh, Michael Coleman, those are some guys that can get after the quarterback. They know they've got to be better on the defensive front than they were a year ago, and it looks like they will be. So they should be able to provide some pressure. As far as protecting Powell, offensively, they return almost all their starting offensive linemen who have a great deal of experience. Uh, Broderick Jordan is a sophomore. He'll probably step in and play center. He only played four games so far in his college career. So he's young. But he's got guys like City Sow and Marcellus Johnson around him that have a ton of experience. Some of these guys have played 40-plus games on the offensive line. So a lot of experience there, and that should be a strong point in keeping Powell upright so he can get the ball downfield. Looking at the schedule, you guys open with Eastern Kentucky on September the 2nd before coming to Lafayette. And then you go to Tempe, Arizona to play Arizona State. You open MAC play with Buffalo Western Michigan, Toledo, Ball State, Akron, and then you close out with the rivalry game with Central Michigan. What can you tell us about the schedule? Well, the schedule is going to be tough. Uh, you know, we open on a Friday night against Eastern Kentucky, and we learned a couple years ago you you can't look over those FCS opponents. Central Connecticut State came in here in 2019. If we hadn't blocked a punt with 10 seconds left and returned it for a touchdown we probably lose that game. Now, that was a really good Central Connecticut State team that went on, and that was their only loss of the season until they went to the postseason. But Creighton and this team are not overlooking Eastern Kentucky, so they'll play them on a Friday night, and then we got this little heat wave tour we're going through. I, I, I guess we feel blessed it's a night game for both of those. Maybe it'll be a little cooler down in Louisiana on a Saturday night, but you got that game, then we got to fly home and then fly right back out to Tempe and play Arizona State. So... That'll be it'll be challenging, a little bit of travel early on, but uh, I think the schedule sets up pretty nice for them. We get you know some of our rivalry games at home, some games we need to win, um, and this is a team that feels like they can get back to a bowl game. We always seem to be just a missed field goal or a fourth down conversion away from getting those one or two wins that could send us to Detroit to play for the MAC title. So if we get a couple bounces our way. EMU could be that team that Northern Illinois was last year for the back that went into Detroit and ended up winning the conference. So spirits are high in Ypsilanti. Tom Helmer, the play-by-play voice of the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Tom, really appreciate you taking the time. Hope you guys enjoy the season, and of course, hope you guys enjoy the trip to Lafayette in a couple weeks. Absolutely, and we'll talk game week. And of course, you can tell us off air, but we're going to need some some food recommendations, some places to oh. hit there so we know where to go. Absolutely. I can help you out with that. That <laughs> sounds good. Appreciate you, Tom. Same here. There he goes, Tom Helmer, the play-by-play voice of the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Did you know that you could score an Apple Watch by sending a simple text message? All you have to do is text to join the brand-new text club. Text GAME to 337-283-8100, G-A-M-E to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win that Apple Watch, plus tons of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the game's brand-new text club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take the final time out of hour number one, wrap it up on the other side. 
You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back into Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. All right, I, I've got a gripe real quick that um, I've been reading on social media during the commercial break. People are belittling Eric Hosmer for holding up the Juan Soto deal. Why? Why are you mad that he uses no trade clause? He had every right to. You want to be mad at somebody, be mad at the Padres for giving him one. But here's the thing. No trade clauses are a good thing. If guys are committed to a franchise, they should have the ability to dictate where they go if they leave. Also, here's the other big factor of this right now. Eric Hosmer's wife is about to go in labor with a baby. Of course he didn't want to move right now. You can't blame the guy. I mean, if I was in his situation, I would have invoked my no-trade clause too. That's part of it. That's part of the sport. That's part of doing business. No-trade clauses will never go away. It's just not going to be a thing. Ralph's joining the hotline once again. Ralph, what's going on, bud? Hey, I'm sorry, man. Just one more thing on the records uh, never broke to be broken. Uh, just my opinion. But I don't think Nicholas's uh, 18 majors will be broken now. Uh, you know, I thought Tiger definitely was going to do it at one point in time. And, and if if he couldn't accomplish it, I just don't see. I think it's, the, the tour is too competitive from top to bottom now. And, and now with the, with the live tour, yep. uh, it kind of, you know, adds to that. So I think that record is, is, is safe for sure. Yeah, I agree with you on that one 100%. Um, if Tiger couldn't do it, nobody will. Yep. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate you, Ralph. So breaking news from Jeff Passan. The Philadelphia Phillies are finalizing a deal to acquire right-hander Noah Syndergaard from the Los Angeles Angels. With five minutes to spare. Ah. Look at him. Do the Astros try to squeeze in one more? No. <laughs> They've already done three. One more? I think they're done. Uh, I don't know. You think, you think they'll squeeze in another one before we get back? Uh, probably not. I, I don't think so. <laughs> probably not. The fact that they were in three trades yesterday was crazy enough. I don't. I don't think they'll do a fourth. I think they got all their stuff done and they're ready to just finish out the rest of the series against the Red Sox and move on. That's true. That's true. Um, new in, new NCAA basketball rules for the season. Flopping will result in a technical foul. Oh. But now that's going to be interesting. What y- The judgment of you deeming well, if yeah. that's going to be a flop or not. That's, well, yeah, that's going to be referee's discretion. Yay. <laughs> Conferences will More continue. More calls. Conferences will use live and pre-recorded video streams at the team bench. And there will be five media timeouts per half. Instead of it being, it's always been five. I don't know. I, 
I think it's always been five. But anyways, so five timeouts a half. Video streams allowed to be used for strategy on the bench. And then flopping will result in a technical foul. Interesting. Interesting. All right, we'll come back in hour number two. We'll put a bow on the MLB trade deadline. The Astros once again making three trades. Trey Mancini, Christian Vasquez, and Will Smith. Not the Will Smith that pimp slapped Chris Rock, by the way. So we'll talk about that. We'll chat with Landry Locker about that. We'll also continue the conversation of sports records that will never be broken. And more of your phone calls on the hotline, 706-0111. The hotline's been buzzing today, and we want that to continue. So jump in, 706-0111. Hour number two on the other side, you're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Hour number two, rocking and rolling on a Tuesday afternoon. It's crunch time with me guys and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Breaking news. Last minute trade line deal. Last minute trade line deals. Last minute trade deadline deals. There you go, Matthew. The New York Yankees are acquiring Harrison Bader from the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for Jordan Montgomery, according to sources familiar with the situation. That's a big move. The Yankees, one of the best teams in baseball, just got better. Also, Whit Merrifield has been traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. But here's a kicker. Canada still has their vaccine mandate in place. And Whit Merrifield is currently listed as unvaccinated. Safe to say he's getting vaccinated. That is, if he wants to play baseball. So, don't take a page out of Kyrie Irving's playbook if you want to keep your keep your day job. Poll question of the day. Grade the Astros trade deadline performance what grade would you give the Astros trades so far 20% of you say A 8% of you say C 4% of you say D or F 68% of you say B James where do you think they landed I gotta go with more of a B B plus I don't think you I like I like the Mancini one it, it wasn't for a superstar like Juan Soto like we had hoped for but I think you you got well, good players. Let's out let's of it. be real. The Astros were never in conversation. No, to get I mean, Soto. It, it was more of a hypothetical. I didn't think it was realistic enough to get them, but they were. Yeah, I think yeah. you got you got good players. I initially was qu- questioning the Jake Odorizzi trade, but thinking about, it, I was like, you already got enough starting pitchers. Yeah. That and was then a, you're getting a lefty reliever, not that just was a regular right handed. It's a lefty reliever. That was a sneaky smart move. 
by the Astros. Yeah, and they threw it in like late last night. And, I looked at it, it was like 10.30. And then here's the other thing. Jake Odorizzi had a couple of good outings. Like he had he had moments, but as a whole, he was a pretty inconsistent pitcher. He had stretches where he really like every pitcher goes through that, right? You you go through slumps. I just feel like when Odorizzi was in a slump, he was in a slump. So I think it was a good move. You bring back Will Smith, a guy who was on that World Series team in twenty seventeen. He knows how the Astros operate. He knows a lot of the guys that are still on the team, so it's going to be a pretty seamless transition for him to come back to Houston. So, I, I, again, I, I think that was a good move by the Houston Astros. And then a reason that a, – another big reason why the Astros are a fan of this move is because – Again, like like I said, he was on the World Series team in 2017, and Odorizzi's contract was a major factor because a lot of incentives that he was close to achieving, the Astros would have had to pay him, not to mention he's a player option worth $6.5 million next season that could max out at 12 and a half. So if you wanted to buy him out of that player option, you owed him six and a quarter million. His contract was a major factor into the reason that he got shipped. So Odorizzi goes to the Braves. You bring back Will Smith. Then you acquired Christian Vasquez from the Red Sox. He will make his Astros debut tomorrow. Trey Mancini in Houston. Not quite sure when he's going to make his ML, his debut for the Astros because that has not yet been announced by the organization. All right, James, let's look at those records that we were looking at earlier about records that will never be broken. One that's never going to get broken, in my opinion, Johnny Vandermeer's no-hitters. So Johnny Vandermeer, back in 1938, he no-hit the Boston Bees. And then four days later, went back out and no-hit the Brooklyn Dodgers. I don't think anybody's going to get three consecutive no-hitters. I I don't see that happening. That's that's very unlikely. Nowadays, pitchers are fortunate to get one no-hitter. I mean, or, if you, or they get so close, right? And then, and then their manager takes them out in like the eighth inning. Oh, he went there. You went there. And then, on top of that, a perfect game. You haven't seen a perfect game. I mean, the last one that comes to my head. I don't know if this was actually the last one in the MLB, but the last one that comes to my head was Roy Holiday, eight nine years ago. I don't remember one since then. The most recent perfect game was in 2012. Felix Hernandez. Pitching against the Rays. They won one to nothing. The game took two hours and 22 minutes. 
Felix Hernandez threw 113 pitches and struck out 12. So it's been 10 years since there was a perfect game. No hitters in perfect games are incredibly hard to come by. I don't see anybody getting three in a row. Um, Also, Barry Bonds has an intentional walks record. You ready for this? Bonds was intentionally walked 688 times in his career. With 120 in one season. That is absolutely insane. Or Ichiro's 262-hit season. I don't think that's going to get caught. How about Babe Ruth's slugging percentage? Oh, yeah. That one. That was pretty high. (laughs) Yeah, Babe Babe Ruth's slugging percentage was nasty. Um, The closest person to come to Ichiro's 262-hit season was Jose Altuve. He hit 225 in 2014. Uh, The NBA, Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game, that's not going to get caught. That's not going to get caught. The closest guy to in the last 20 years to come to that was Kobe with 81 in, in 2006. Do you, um, want, yeah, you want to see There's one that I see that I find funny because this article is a little old. Okay, what you got? A little outdated. It's uh, Johnny Unitas' 47 consecutive games with the touchdown pass. Oh, man. Yeah. What article are you looking at? It's the one from 2008 on Bleacher. Oh, my God. Because I looked, I was like, "Wait, that oh, th- this one's old." <laughs> How about John but the, Stockton? Most of these, most of these are still very much intact. Yeah. How about John Stockton being the all-time leader in assist and steals? Don't know if that's going to get caught. Curry's three-point record. I don't know. That could get caught. How about how about this is one that you don't want to get? This is an interceptions record. No. Oh, I mean that one's far farves, but. I'm talking about the Bucks, 26 consecutive losses. Ooh. And that's yeah. how you started that's how you started your franchise. Yeah, you definitely going 0 14 and then you started 0 and 12 and then finally won in week 14 and then in the season with another loss. Yeah. Um, how about Tiger Woods weeks atop the world golf rankings? You ready for this? Tiger spent 683 weeks atop the world golf rankings. Now, this is not consecutive. Um, But if you do the math, that's about 12 years of his career that Tiger spent as the number one golfer in the world. Don't think anybody's catching that. The next highest is Greg Norman at 331. Now, speaking of both of those guys, there's a piece of of news that I I didn't bring up. So Tiger Woods is one of the most, he's been one of the most outspoken guys about the PGA tour since this live tour mess started, right? Well, Greg Norman, one of the world's greatest golfers and the founder of the LAV tour said in a Fox news interview that he offered Tiger Woods between seven hundred and eight hundred million dollars to join the LIV. Excuse me? And Tiger turned it down. All about the PGA, baby. <laughs> they said between seven hundred and eight hundred million, and that's the signing bonus. That was just for joining. And Tiger said no. 
You want to talk about loyalty, which is a trait that Tiger had to learn throughout his career, as we all know. He, he wasn't very loyal at one point of his career. That, that's a bad Tiger joke, anyways. Uh, oh, you just offended so many people. That, that was a bad Tiger joke. Here's, um, a, here's a record that we didn't think that could be feasible by this person. Okay. So let's look at playoff records. Oh, or God. playoff wins. I know where you're going with this. Tom Brady has 35 in his career. The second most is tied with Staubach and Brett Favre with 13. Well, Joe Montana has 16. But he had won a few with the the Chiefs his last couple of right. years. So Brett Favre, I think he has 14. Or okay. has... 13 because the one t- he played with the jet right that one year but he has 13 playoff wins against nfc teams okay tom in his two years including the two years with tampa because you also include the six super bowl wins he's he's got 10 jesus so he, he could get to 13 within his first three years of well, playing with tampa you know if you think about it it's not it's not too far-fetched because you do think about the six super bowls So, yeah, but I mean, you but you think about it in your first three years, you've won of playing with the team. Games. Well, in the first two, you've won four. But if he gets to the Super Bowl again and plays on wild card, yeah, add three more, you're at thirteen. I don't think they're getting to the Super Bowl again. I don't think so either. But the fact that Tom in three years is able to tie what Brett Favre had to do in a career, it's true. It was a it was a pretty lengthy career, going from ninety one all the way to two thousand ten. Yep. Yeah, Favre played for a while. Now, here's another record that's not going to get touched. How about Michael Phelps' medals? Oh, man. 28 of them. 23 of them gold. He won eight gold medals in Beijing in 2008. Eight. That's, yeah, that's not getting caught. How about Bill Russell's 11 championships? 11 rings? Yeah. Yeah, that's not getting caught either. Recipes. That's not getting caught either. I mean, the the guy in the league right now that has the most as a player is what? Braun? Curry? Curry? Currently? Curry and LeBron both have four. They both have four? Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anybody in the league that has more than that. No. Shouldn't. Not off top. Yeah. Unless, un- unless there's a couple guys that were bounce, bouncing around, like different teams that just happened. Because there was one guy, he played for LeBron for a f- few straight years. And or he went from like the Warriors to the Cavs, and then or Cavs to the Warriors to to the Raptors. So he had like three straight championships, and he was just he was like the thirteenth guy on the bench. But yep. he got credit for three three full rings, three straight years. Also, some big news that we need to get to. Uh, we posted an article about it on our website, 1037thegame.com. And 1041thegame.com, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns have announced that they are extending Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard, through the year 2027. Brian Maggard has been at the head of the Louisiana Athletic Department since June of 2017, or February 2017, and he will stay through June of 2027. Currently, so big news for the Cajuns as they extend their AD for another year. All right, 
The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse in Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes is by joining the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Let's take a time out. And when we return to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, phone lines wide open. We want to hear from you, 706-0111, whatever you want to talk about in the world of sports. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 2nd, 1982. Oakland A's outfielder Ricky Henderson steals his 100th MLB base of the season in a 6-5 win over Seattle. Henderson is the first to steal 100 twice in modern era. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. College football season inching closer and closer. There's now 131 teams in Division I with the addition of James Madison joining the Sun Belt. So let's look at some notable names in the number in the preseason CBS Sports 131. Of course, at the top is Alabama. Ohio State second, Georgia third, Utah fourth, Clemson fifth, Notre Dame sixth, Oklahoma seventh, Michigan eighth, AM ninth, and Baylor tenth. Scroll down a little ways to get to the biggest movers. How about USC jumping up 73 spots from 85 to number 12? Lincoln Riley alone, along with Caleb Williams, does that? I'm I'm so interested. That might be the biggest storyline that I'm paying attention to in college football. How quickly will Lincoln Riley bring USC back to the top? I mean... In my opinion, it's going to be pretty quick. I don't think it's going to be this year, but, I mean, it's USC. It's an infinite supply of money. You're in the breeding ground of college football in California. I mean, I mean, there's no reason why you can't put USC in the playoff in the next three years. None. No reason at all. Florida's up here as well. They've jumped up 40 spots to number 30. Billy Napier, I mean, he's, I've said it ever since the day he left Louisiana. He's going to do big things at the University of Florida. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. The biggest question with that, though, is going to be, can Florida fans be patient? Here's another big mover. Try the LSU Tigers. They jumped up 28 spots from last season's ranking. They will start the year at number 31 with Brian Kelly coming in. And there's a lot of talent on the roster. He's done a lot with the coaching staff. 
and looking to make a big impact in Baton Rouge early on. And then you look at some teams that have fallen. Ole Miss fell 15 spots from 12 to 27. James, this one's going to hurt. The Louisiana Ridge Cajuns fell 41 spots in this season's CBS Sports projection from number 20 to number 61. I mean, that's fair because you haven't seen what Desimo can do as a head coach. We've seen what he can do on the field, and we saw what he could do as an assistant. But him having the reins now, and I know a lot lot of people have seen the team and they lost a lot of people. Oh, yeah. A few people got drafted, some transfers. Oh, you had... You had people get drafted. You had super seniors. Levi Lewis is gone. You've got a, you've reset the roster. You have a new coaching staff. I get it. I get why you fell. There's a lot of a lot of question marks. And again, the Cajuns are the favorite in the Sun Belt West, and I don't disagree with that. However, is it as wide open as it's been in years past? No. It's not. Troy's in the West now. They're going to be good this year. South Alabama's going to be good this year. Texas State is going to take another step forward. I don't know. I'm not going to say that they're going to be good. Uh, they were 4-8 and eight last year. They're going to take a step forward. Maybe they're 6-6. Six and six. Arkansas State, however, they kind of scare me a little bit. Now, uh, yes, they were 2-10 and 10 last year. But then they turned around and got a lot of transfer guys and the number one recruiting class in the Sunbelt Conference. So Butch Jones, maybe not this year. Next year, though, Arkansas State could be back right where they were a couple years ago. I know Cajun fans do not forget when the Arkansas State-Louisiana game determined who was winning the West Division. And I think we're going to get back to that pretty soon so again Cajun sitting at number 61 in this preseason ranking and the LSU Tigers at number 31 Texas all the way up to number 29 interesting there you know Quinn Ewers going to be the starting quarterback going to finally get his opportunity to show what he can do how long is he going to be the starting quarterback though because if Arch Manning stays committed to the Longhorns that's going to be fun to watch. That trade battle is going to be intriguing because Quinn Ewers, one of the top quarterbacks of the recruiting class a couple years ago, you bring in Arch Manning, who is currently the second-best player in this recruiting class. Things are going to get chippy in, uh, in Austin. That'll definitely be fun to keep an eye on. College football getting closer and closer. I mean, James, the Cajuns' first game is a month from tomorrow, and the Tigers' first game is a month from Thursday. And then the NFL Hall of Fame game is on Thursday. The NFL game, yeah, the Hall of Fame game is Thursday. Which, I mean, I'm not a Raiders or a Jags fan, but chances are I'm probably going to watch it just because. And there's bound to be a couple highlights that pop up on Instagram. I need some football in my life. I need some football in my life. We have so, no more uh, USFL. That nope. season's done. 
I, I need some regular football. Yeah, I need some. I need some football in my life, and I definitely need some routine. So definitely looking forward to getting to go cover games and do that kind of thing once again. Also, one thing we haven't touched on, talking a lot about baseball, this news kind of got overlooked. Catcher Jonathan Lucroy has announced his retirement from the major leagues and will be inducted into the Milwaukee Brewers Hall of Fame on Saturday. The former Cajun will sign a one-day contract, once again, to retire a Milwaukee Brewer. I remember Jonathan Lucroy just being an absolute animal for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Looking at some of his numbers in the bigs, he will retire as a two-time All-Star with 1,210 big league appearances, 1,134 hits, and a 274 career batting average. He will finish as the Brewers franchise leader in hits, doubles, home runs, runs, RBIs, and batting average. He's the franchise leader for all catchers in those positions, and he will also finish second in games caught with 725. So once again, Jonathan Lucroy retiring as a Milwaukee Brewer and will be inducted into the Brewers Hall of Fame this Saturday. We'll take a timeout right here when we return. Landry Locker will join us to talk about the Astros trade deadline and what we can expect from Space City as we come down the final stretch of the MLB season. You're listening to The Game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with me, guys. The Mesh right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's talk about the trades that the Astros have made a little bit more in depth, and we'll start with Trey Mancini. Looking at his stats, he's played six years in the MLB. He's played 701 games. His best year was 2019. Had 38 doubles, two triples, 35 homers, 97 RBIs, a 291 batting average, a 364 on base percentage, and an OPS of 900. His plus OPS was 134, which is absolutely insane. Uh, And obviously everyone knows that in 2020, he missed the entire season due to being diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. Uh, He beat that, and he's been back in baseball for the last two seasons, hitting 21 home runs in 2022, and he has 10 so far this season. But it's interesting because this past offseason, the Orioles pushed back the wall of Camden Yards, I don't know, 60 feet, and he lost a lot of his home run depth there. I saw a statistic that Mancini's 10 home runs this season would be at 22 had he been an Astro all year. So interesting numbers there. Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610 in Houston, joins us here on the hotline. Landry, what's going on, man? Thanks for taking the time. Hey, hey, fellas. How you doing? Doing well. Let's look at these, these three trades. You know, I was just kind of running through some stats about Trey Mancini, you know, he fills 
a couple needs for the Astros, whether it be first base or the outfield. What are your thoughts on the Mancini deal? Well, the most interesting thing to me is, is, is I do think that he can help out uh, at first base and in the outfield. Um, my only concern is, is Michael Brantley going to be back by October? Uh, you know, until recently, I don't even think he was really swinging the bat. So, yeah, Mancini could be a guy that could, you know, maybe maybe be an upgrade for Yuli, especially with the way Yuli Gurriel is playing right now. But my concern is I'm almost looking at these deals as if, you know, Brantley's going to be here and you're going to have to decide between, you know, Mancini or Gurriel or, you know, putting Mancini in one of those outfield corner spots, but I do wonder, you know, is, is it going to be an even bigger deal? Because are we getting to see Brantley at all for the remainder of the season? I think that's something to really keep an eye on. But I, but I like the move for sure. I would have rather had Bell, uh, but the Astros couldn't have competed with what the Padres gave up today. But, yeah, I like the Mancini deal uh, for sure, but, but I'm, I'm very concerned about Michael Brantley. Yeah, and and that's an obvious, an obvious concern for the Astros. You know, what – if at all, what kind of Michael Brantley do we see down the stretch? And then the other news today, Jason Castro is out for the year. So in comes Christian Vasquez, who has had a solid career for the Boston Red Sox, was having a great year at the plate this year, 282 batting average with 33 runs scored and 42 RBIs. He's not a big you know, power guy, but most catchers aren't. Uh, so what can you tell us about Christian Vasquez? That, that one's going to be the interesting one because, you know, it, it's really weird because Maldonado right now, his batting average is over 170, and you almost feel like he's like chasing the silver slugger because uh, he's been, you know, that poor at the plate. I wonder how they're going to handle this. Uh, you have Verlander in Cy Young contention. Uh, Maldonado's probably not one of. He is the most beloved guy in that clubhouse. And you have Dusty Baker, who's kind of old school, uh, and loves Martin Maldonado. I've heard, you know, some real some baseball experts, and even the ESPN write-up said, you know, he he provides an immediate upgrade over Maldonado, which I would agree. But I am wondering, you know, is it going to be, you know, they're going to split fifty-fifty? Is Maldonado going to catch certain guys? I, I do wonder how they're going to how they're going to play that. I, I would I would like to see him eventually be the the full-time catcher, just because I think. You do need, you know, especially in October, you need a guy who's been there and, and hit at a high level. Uh, but that one's the real interesting one because I think it is a clear upgrade over Maldonado. But all the extra stuff that Maldonado brings to the table, it's going to be interesting to see if, if Dusty Baker decides uh, that he's going to be willing to make that change. But it will be a transition. They, they did just say at the ballpark that he's going to make his debut tomorrow. Uh, so, so we shall see. And then the other interesting detail with Christian Vasquez is that his contract expires at the end of the year. So, you know, do the Astros like what he does on the field enough over the next two, two and a half months to sign him to an extension? Yeah, that'll be interesting, too. I I think in their perfect world, they would like to feel like Corey Lee is ready to be the guy. I I don't think that he is right now. Uh, And they really didn't give up much for him, Uh, you know, it, in relation to the farm system, so that that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, but I, I don't I don't know that they were really playing chess with this move, thinking you know we're going to bring him back uh, next season. But but it's going to be it, it's going to be real interesting to uh, to keep an eye on the, the third move, uh, the the Will Smith for uh, Odorizzi. I found that one interesting because 
that was a real encouraging move for me. And, and I'm not, it, it has nothing to do with Will Smith, but the fact they were willing to make that move tells me that they feel good about McCullers, yeah. uh, who's pitching tonight in Sugarland. Crazy enough, and, and this is probably the most tickets they've sold out here in Sugarland. Uh, he, he's facing Dallas Keuchel tonight. Oh, uh, yeah. The Rangers affiliate. So you have a little Keuchel McCullers showdown. But I think they feel good about McCullers, and that's why they were willing to trade Odorizzi because they feel like, okay, if McCullers is good to go, there's a chance Odorizzi's not on our playoff roster, and maybe there's a chance that Will Smith is, but he might not be. But Odorizzi wasn't going to be back next year anyway. So they're just kind of they're just kind of shooting blind there. But I think that tells you how they feel about Lance right now. Landry Locker of Sports Radio 610 joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Falling to the Red Sox last night, 3-2, to two, looking to bounce back tonight. Uh, you get Alex Bregman back in the lineup. Jose Altuve, obviously, you know, still sitting in that leadoff spot. What was kind of the vibe that, that you've gotten about last night's game going into tonight with both Mancini and Vasquez being in the dugout for tonight's game? It was really awkward yesterday. So um, <laughs> Vasquez actually found out that he was traded from uh, a reporter out here named Mark Berman. Uh, Mark Berman of Fox 26, the best to ever do it, in my opinion, out here. Uh, just an absolute machine. You know you're busting your butt on the beat when you break the news to someone that he got traded before the PR guy uh, <laughs> could even uh, get a hold of him. And there's actually a video, I think Barstool picked it up, of Berman talking to him, and Vasquez has no idea what's going on, and the PR guy kind of grabs him by the shoulder and takes him out. So that was an awkward situation. You then had Odorizzi traded uh, during the game, and he's sitting in the dugout. He has no clue what's going on. Uh, so it was a real wild night. As far as the games themselves, it's kind of an interesting situation in that, you know, Seattle's playing some really good ball, and Seattle's being aggressive, uh, and, and they have the fourth-best record in the AL. But the lead in the in the division is so significant, and it seems like you've kind of avoided that wild-card round to where you're going back and forth with the Yankees. I don't know that it's that important for the Astros to have home field. So, you know, the final, the final you know, month and a half or whatever of the season, it, it, it almost seems like, you know, you just want certain things to happen and certain things to shape up, whether it's McCullers getting back, whether it's, you know, maybe getting some good news about Brantley, uh, resting Alvarez, uh, Alex Bregman continuing to hit the way that he's hitting, uh, figure out what you're going to do in center field and what that's going to look like. Uh, the, the games themselves, it, it just feels, I, I don't want to say it's like, you know, irrelevant, but they've, they've just built up such an impressive lead over Seattle right now to where, you know, a loss here or there doesn't mean a lot. But it was a real bizarre scene last night at the yard. And then, you know, another question that I have, going back to the Jason Castro news, being out for the rest of the year, at his age, could could we have seen the last of Jason Castro? Yeah, I think I think he's at least done here. Um, and, and I was really surprised with how bad he was, especially hitting uh, this year. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think as far as, like, being an Astro, I think we're almost about done with Castro. And, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens to him. But the, the problem with Castro is if he's not hitting, I mean, it's kind of – he, he was hitting worse than Maldonado. Uh, if he's not hitting, then there's really no value for him. So even, you know, if he had stayed healthy, if he had kept, you know, playing the way he was playing, his future in baseball would have been, you know, up in the air anyways because – He's just not he's not performing at a very high level. So I think I think it's it's definite that he's not going to be here anymore. 
whether someone picks him up or not and whether he figures out you know how to hit again uh, is to be determined. But we, we could definitely very well have seen the last of him. Now, going down the, the stretch starting tonight with that game against the Boston Red Sox, you know, you, you're 67 and 37. You've got a 11 game lead in a 12 game lead in the division. For the Astros, you know, it, the, the vibe in the locker room has to be that you're still very much in contention for obviously the division, but maybe a favorite for the World Series, right? Oh yeah, they they, they feel like they're the, the the they're the Yankees' daddy. I mean that's that's the that's the feeling here, and I mean I think that the just the way in which they've handled the Yankees this year uh, this year has has given them that confidence. I mean there was a but before those two teams met up, you know there was a feel, you know, oh the Yankees are the best team in baseball, and they were, and they still might be, but for whatever reason, and the Yankees made some moves of their own, so. Uh, there is that, but for whatever reason, when, whenever those two teams face off, the Astros just seem to have their number. So they they feel very confident. They're ready to go. Uh, the, the division it's it's done. Uh, and then I think the way in which they've handled the Yankees, in in a strange way, it could have almost been like a win loss because they feel good about themselves. But I also think it kind of woke up the Yankees to where the Yankees said, "Okay, we might have the best best record in baseball." Uh, we might be playing like uh, historic Yankees baseball, uh, even if you measure it up against some of their seasons. Uh, but they decided to get aggressive as well. But yeah, the confidence of this team is always has been high, and, and it's as high as it's been uh, at this point in the season. Lastly, Justin Verlander, you know, just a absolutely insane year that he's had. Fourteen and three, coming off of Tommy John, you know. Being being a guy that works in the sports market in Houston and gets to be around that, you know, often. What's the vibe about Justin Verlander and among the media in Houston? Is it felt like he will win the Cy Young Award this year? Um, it's it's incredible, honestly. I mean, I I didn't expect this from Justin Verlander. I think anyone who who says that they did is kind of lying. Um, because if if, if people expected this, then the Astros wouldn't have got him at you know twenty five mil a year with a with a player option. Um, or I was here when they traded for him, and you know that was one of the most exciting points uh, in you know Astros history. And it was after the first trade deadline they got him at the uh, at the last minute. Jeff Luno pulled the move. Um, I think you know I, I, he's got as good a chance as anyone to. Uh, to win the Cy Young this year, I kind of thought if, if I'd had a vote, the last one he won, I probably would have given it to Cole, uh, just because I thought Cole was the was the better guy that year. But 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 I understand Verlander getting it. But there's kind of a sense here that you know this could actually be the end for Verlander here. And you know the business of baseball sometimes you have to make tough decisions. And after he pitches 130 innings this year, he's going to have a player option, which is going to be a no brainer for him to pick up. So. They're going to have to make a tough decision um, on, you know, with the, with the depth they have on the rotation, and with Justin Verlander uh, turning 40 years old uh, before next season, um, he, how, how many years are you going to give the guy? Now, <laughs> I mean, he could easily go out there and continue to pitch at this level, and it wouldn't surprise anyone. But if I'm him, I'm probably asking for. I would start by asking for. What Max Scherzer got this offseason at the age of 37, the three-year, 
three-year deal uh, with the annual amount over $40 million. That's what I would ask if I were if I were Verlander, especially if he's coming off a of Cy Young. And the Astros would have to think long and hard about whether or not they want to do that because eventually they're going to have to pay Valdez. Uh, they're going to have to pay Tucker. Uh, and they're going to have to pay some other guys. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, maybe this being the end for Castro or whoever. I, I, would, I, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, – you know, Verlander, this could be the end of uh, watching Verlander. I, I wouldn't wish it, but sometimes the business of baseball, especially when you're this good of a team, you got to make those types of tough decisions. But it, it, is, it is a true treat uh, getting to watch uh, Justin Verlander, no doubt. Landry Locker of Sports Radio 610 in Houston joining us here. Landry, really appreciate you taking the time. Great insight on the Astros, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And there he goes, Landry Locker. Of Sports Radio 610 in Houston. The game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. All you got to do is register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Take a timeout, wrap up today's show on the other side, and we'll get you set for that Astros game at 710. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, man. We're back. Crunch time with the Miguel Mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, a couple minutes before we get out of here. So uh, Alex Bregman back in the clubhouse today after his wife Reagan giving birth to their newborn son yesterday. And normally when you enter the paternity list, you're on it for three days. You're out for three days. However, Bregman's back today. And when reporters asked him why, he said, Reagan told me to go out there and get some hits. Your wife calling you out, dude. One day after his wife gives birth to a child, she says to go get some hits. Jeez. So Bregman back in the lineup tonight for the Houston Astros as they take on the Boston Red Sox. 7-10 first pitch, and of course you can hear it all right here on the game. Christian Javier going for the Astros 6-6 with a 3.26 ERA. How about 121 strikeouts for Javier on the year? While Cutter Crawford will go for the Red Sox 2-3 with a 4.15 ERA. He's only pitched 47 and two-thirds innings on this season, so interesting to see how he will handle that. And, of course, the Astros will play tomorrow against the Red Sox. That'll be their final meeting of the season tomorrow, 1-10 first pitch. So more likely than not, crunch time with Miguez and Mesh starting a little late tomorrow. But uh, we'll be here at some point bringing you the, the top stories of the day in the world of sports. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guests, Tom Helmer, the play-by-play voice of the Eastern Michigan Eagles, and Landry Locker of Sports Radio 7, 610 in 
Houston for joining us on the Astros Trade Moves. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. We'll see you tomorrow here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, who are next.